This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fukutani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How's it goes it for you? Um, it goes well. It's been a really good week and I'm looking forward to the weekend. Indeed. And who are we introducing today? Um, today it's my great pleasure to introduce Mr Mike Morgan. Uh, Mike uh, lives here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty and I first met him during one of our local body election campaigns um, where he just became this man that I could speak to to get my feet black planted firmly on the ground, which is really important during an election campaign. Um, and, and I know, Mike, that you've been that person for a, a lot of people in our community. Um, and Mike, Mike has a business, digital uh, a digital business, which is High Profile Enterprises, which shares with his wife, Midge. Um, and he's just our all-round community good guy. So it's really nice <laughs> to have you on the show today, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Mawera. You're too kind. Welcome, Mike. Are you in Fukutani, Mike, or somewhere else? Uh, Ohopi, just over the hill. Beautiful spot. Yeah, we, we arrived here seven years ago, and um, it's, it is, you know, um, without being cliches, a little piece of paradise. It really is. It's a great community um, and, uh, and, and, a, and a stunning spot. And a good swimming beach. It is that, too. <laughs> we came from the West Coast, so uh, we went... We were previously at Murawai on the west coast of Auckland, and um, in nine years, I think I swam once, and that was pretty terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's good to be able to have a safe swimming meet. So it's going back a year now, but how was your lockdown? How was your bubble life? Well, for us, we, um, we work uh, remotely with most of our clients anyway, um, and our team will work remotely. Uh, we've, we've been like this since we formed the business um, 10 years ago, uh, 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, so as far as the professional side of things, there was very little change. I mean, we've, you know, we've always been in a situation where we've had clients in Australia we've never actually met face-to-face. Um, but the technology is all there, you know, with, particularly with the rise of Zoom and uh, and so on. You, you can get a little bit of a feeling for, for people without having to be in the room with them. And so, so as far as business went, we were obviously impacted by some of our clients um, being in hospitality or um, being in industries that, you know, needed to shut down. Um, so there was a little, a little bit of a wobble there, but um, there was also a positive in it um, in that so many businesses and, and um, people 
realised how important it was to have a have a decent sort of a digital footprint and um, to create content and to to work on websites and so on. So, um, slight silver lining there. Uh, personal level, that was you know that was difficult because we were only unable to see family um, and friends, and we had quite a few conversations across the fence line um, from a distance. Um, but that, that is not quite the same thing as sitting down and having food and, um, you know, and being close to people and, you know, uh, and all the things that go with that sort of social um, activity. So, yeah, it was, I mean, I think everyone was affected profoundly by um, by the arrival of COVID. And I think there are still a lot of people who are suffering the after effects of that huge shift and the, and the um, almost the darkness that came with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for us, we we have um, we've coped pretty well with it. So you're well prepared by having a distributed workforce, but also distributed clients. Did did you? Has it changed anything though? I, I imagine that the the expectation of turning up has 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 gone down a bit. The expectation of turning up. Yeah, even if you're remote, do just do, do some people imagine that you're going to turn up and, and visit them in Sydney oh, or yes. wherever it is and it must make it easier to yeah, not do I mean, that. Yes, we, I mean we've had in the past, I've had people on the phone with me, I haven't realised that we're in New Zealand Australian people who have been recommended um, that, we, that we've been recommended to and um, you know the conversation a couple of times has gone well um, uh, let's grab a coffee um, you know uh, how often are you in Melbourne and I said well I've, actually I've never been to Melbourne to be honest um, if you <laughs> fire me a plane to get old, um, I'll, I'll be there in an instant you know <laughs> um, uh, and and yeah, interestingly, I, I find that people in the Fakatani district and in smaller and, and smaller um, uh, regional centres do actually still like to meet you face to face. They're still, you know, um, coming to terms with the whole idea of um, of the whole remote thing and and video conferencing and so on. Um, as far as you know, um, larger centres and the big Australian centres and the sort of industries that we work in, um, you know, they've, they've been using um, this sort of technology for a while now, so it's 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 no big deal for them. So, what does high-profile enterprises do? Um, in a nutshell, we're we're a marketing agency, um, but we are um, a highly technical one. We we work in search engine optimization, um, technical performance speed optimization um, and creation of content and promoting that through the web um, but the, the I guess what we what we focus on is growing business so we um, uh, all of these things are uh, out, to, out to grow website traffic but the right sort of website traffic and to translate into whatever it is that we're trying to do for a client and in some cases it's sales um, others it's leads for um, you know business services or uh, a range of a range of other things as well, organisational work and so on that we do. Um, so the, the, it's, it's very very customised and it's very fast moving. Um, you know, this year for instance, we've had um, a major change at Google that we've had to react to and um, preempt to a degree because they've been you know, they sort of telegraphed this about twelve months ago and have been gradually working toward it and it's rolling out at Google now and it's quite a major algorithm change and so we. Um, uh, went out at the beginning of this year. We found a small team um, led by a guy in Toronto, and we have um, partnered with them. And they're working with our clients and for other for other businesses to bring um, their websites up to speed with what um, Google's asking for at the moment. So yeah, it's an interesting space to work in, and it, and it, and the, the change is just constant, really. 
Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Alasa de Sela, Contera Palabra. I'm sure they don't pronounce it like that, but never mind. Why this one? Um, I, I mean, I've, I've, my taste in music is pretty eclectic. Uh, I've, I've, I've spent 25 years in the music industry, and um, because of that, I, you know, I, I like to find stuff out of the fringes and go down rabbit holes and so on. And um, I discovered um, Lassa de Sella long after I probably should have. Um, she passed away in 2010, um, and uh, she only really recorded two um, two albums. Um, there's a third album, but I'm not sure whether it's been put together um, posthumously as well. But um, uh, I love what she does because she brings a lot of different styles into what she does. She uses her, her Mexican um, heritage, but she also brings in, um, you know, uh, European gypsy music as well, um, and just has a, there's, there's a there's a quite an amazing sort of a sense about what she does with her music. It's it's like nothing else, and um, yeah, it's just one of those random choices, really. Con toda palabra. Con toda sonrisa, con toda mirada, con toda caricia, me acerco al agua, bebiendo tu beso, la luz de tu cara, la luz de tu cuerpo. Es ruego el quererte, es canto de mundo, mirada de ciego, secreto desnudo, me entrego a tus brazos con miedo y con calma, un ruego en la boca.
sonrisa con toda mirada con toda caricia me acerco al fuego que todo lo quema la luz de tu cara la luz de tu cuerpo la luz de tu cara la luz de tu cuerpo la luz de tu Mike, we've seen big changes over the last year. Around the world, people have spent quite a lot of it at home and online to, to varying uh, degrees, depending on where they are. Has the, the has this accelerated the shift to, to being online, the shift to digital economies? Uh, I think so. I, I think the, um, there are a lot of impacts from you know, the sudden appearance of um, such a deadly pandemic. Um, one is is an acceleration of the uptake of, of digital, definitely, and the other is a, a little bit of soul searching, I guess, um, uh, that's gone on about you know, uh, I suppose the damage that we're doing um, to the planet, uh, about the food that we eat, uh, about how um, industrialized um, approaches to um, to food production um, have caused a, a lot of um, potential health. Um, issues, uh, likewise with you know the, some of the use of some of the toxins that are out there as well, and um, you know I, th- I think yeah you know, we we've been working with um, one client who's in the regenerative agriculture space, and it feels like the people people are um, embracing uh, more natural approaches um, to, to 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 food, but also to a lot of other um, areas as well, and and. I think they're also looking at, you know, the, the potential with, um, you know, the climate emergency and, and, and so on as well. And and I think everyone sort of stopped and well, a lot of people stopped, took a deep breath and said, how can we stop this happening? You know, um, and I think I think COVID gave gave everyone pause to 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 stop and think. And sure, there's there's still going to be all of those that are um, they're going to plow ahead regardless with, you know, with how they've always done things. And um, and change can be really slow, but I, th- I think um, it has helped. It's accelerated, um, particularly people's awareness of some of these issues. And I, I think on a, on a grassroots level, a lot more people are saying, "How can I help? How can I how can I bring about this change?" And particularly with the younger generation coming through, who are really aware of these issues, I think that that'll help things as well. And there was one other interesting thing that came from um, the, the pandemic as well. And this was I, I, I watched a guy who was a, a futurist. Um, he doesn't like to be called a futurist, but that's what he's branded as. And he talked about the um, the path to innovation. And uh, previously, if you came out with a, a really exciting idea, the normal time to take that idea and, and actually get people to buy into it and to, to produce something that was um, going to make a difference uh, was five years. Um, due to the, the sudden shift in the way people are doing things, that path has dropped to about 12 months. And I think we've seen that with the production of the vaccine as well, how quickly that was um, uh, done because 
everyone pulled out all the stops and said, look, this is not going to be a 10-year vaccine process. We have to have this as soon as we can. Um, how, do we, how do we put it through the usual number of trials and um, you know, ensure we have a safe, um, effective vaccine, but without having to wait those long periods? And the same with any other innovation, um, particularly in the, in the you know, software space. Um, some of those ideas are being taken out to market really quickly now and, and you know they won't all, all you know make the grade obviously there's a lot of great ideas that don't end up going anywhere uh, but at least they they know they'll know most people know within 12 months now whether it's going to fly or not rather than having to wait several years so that was an interesting change too beyond the obvious directly pandemic related things like the word covid or, or something other things like uh, you said awareness or regeneration or mindfulness, perhaps. Uh, are you see, is that coming through in the in the search behaviour? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I think for, it, it is at the same time as there is. I mean, with with the online space, uh, there's a lot of really malicious behaviour as well. Uh, there's a lot of negative behaviour, uh, and and that's really unfortunate. And and you see that particularly in the areas of politics. Um, you know. Uh, the polarization that you see within many countries, uh, and I think I think you know COVID has brought that even into even sharper relief. One of the things that we saw during the the our lockdown was how quickly the adverts that we were seeing seemed. You could tell quite clearly whether they were pre or post COVID, and it's not just a matter of how many people were sitting in the room. And in fact, you'll see sometimes on adverts now. They say, you know, have a little line on the bottom that says filmed pre-COVID. But I think that there's been a change in the message, that there's a lot more of that. It's okay just to appreciate being at home. It's it's about the the family and the being together and all that that sort of, I go for mindfulness again, message, rather than here is this fancy new thing. Are you seeing that in the sort of space you're working in? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, it, it, it's there is definitely some of that. I mean, we we do a lot of monitoring of search demand, um, and we tend to work with businesses that are, um, are ethical businesses that work in uh, areas that promote the sort of ideas that align with ours. Um, so so we're probably you know slightly in our own bubble as far as business goes too, because we don't we don't work with companies that. Uh, we disagree what the, about the products that they create or or what they're trying to do. Um, so, you know, for the most part, there's a, there's a kind of a f- philosophical alignment that we have. And so when we're looking at search demand, we're looking at what behavior is online within those niches anyway. So we're, we're, we're probably getting a, a slightly different picture to what someone else would be if they were working with, you know, fossil fuels or, you know, some of those other industries. One of the big debates in the sustainability field is the extent to which we need to, I characterise it as front load with doom. To what extent do you need to build up the here is this problem and then come in with the the the, the knight on shining armour solution to it? Or do you take an approach that's more like the transition towns and just get on with living a better life? Yeah, I think, I think there's a place for um, identifying what the challenges are. I think I think you do have to identify with these people and um, empathise and from there offer some sort of a solution or a path forward. And I think that's uh, um, 
you know, especially for content marketing, that's just one of the guiding principles really is identify what the pain points are and find solutions to help people with them. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's, it's, it's kind of a preference, but the other, the thing you have to be a little bit careful about is consistent negative messaging. And uh, I've seen this with, you know, with a couple of um, companies who have found something that's really wrong out there that's going on. And, you know, and have sort of flayed away at it for a period of time that, you know, these people are bad, they're doing bad things, we need to stop it. And um, uh, in the end, they become identified with that issue pretty closely. Uh, it, it, it also... Um, it closes down some of the discussion, some of the, some of the communication that, um, that can happen out there because you're seen as being um, an antagonist. Uh, you know, that cuts out the ability for some people to work with you or to collaborate with you um, or e even to shift their own mindset. And um, that's, yeah, that, so that can be the negative side of that. So I, I, I sort of caution it. I think it's an, it's an important sort of tool, but um, you've got to be a bit careful that you don't go all the way down that, that rabbit hole. The messaging from our government didn't go down that fear um, approach. And we've talked to a lot of people in the States and in the UK, and a lot of the messaging that, that they've been getting has been fear, and they are very fearful. And we haven't really had that feeling from the people that we've spoken to in New Zealand. Now, partly that's because we've actually managed to stop it at the border, but also that the messaging that we've been getting is positive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think the messaging overall has been has been um, positive. Uh, but again, people can find their own sources of information. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And some of it, some of it looks really credible. It's not, but it looks credible. And, um, and, and that sort of thing is, is really disappointing because there's a lot of really intelligent people who are out of fear, have, have you know, uh, decided that they're going to listen to people who don't have their best interests at heart. Um, and, you know, that's it, it is deeply disappointing. And particularly when it comes to, you know, um, something as important as getting the population vaccinated to protect against this terrible thing. Um, when there's that sort of hesitancy and that doubt and that fear out there that's being fueled by, in a lot of cases, um, a combination of American or, or Russian propaganda, um, you know, that's, that, that's really damaging. Um, I think the messaging from, uh, from our government has been strong and it's been consistent. Uh, and our results, you know, um, reflect that people in this country take it seriously and actually get out there and do do what they need to do. Um, there was only really a sort of a, a fringe element that challenged, you know, the uh, most of the science, and um, unfortunately they didn't get a lot of traction. But again, there's, a, there's that sort of um, corrosive sort of um, element and and, uh, and what they're doing at play still today. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, ko tāuahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining illuminating for you more and more each day who you are the triumph of nature's art perfect unique and here making things better thank you 
You can tell from my voice that I'm in the midst of a very exciting physical process. And like all these very exciting physical processes, it has its, its pros and cons. And of course, not being able to prance about and frolic about as much as I normally would is unfortunate. However, being able to luxuriate at home in the mansion with Poirot and Hastings and Harvey and read books and look at things I'm interested in that are taking place out in the world. All of these activities are very satisfying and rejuvenating. So although I am at home today, I am still doing some work for Orokunui, of course, and finding ways to promote my heart's home. And of course, also enjoying communicating with lots of different people that I love. So I really hope for you, if you're having times where maybe you're physically not as strong and vital as you normally are or as you'd like to be, you're finding other ways that you can enjoy the rest and recharge process. I find great comfort in the beauty of my home and the beauty of the treasures of my home and gazing upon them, whether they're living or not. They have their own life. It gives me great pleasure. I also really appreciate having a home base and I know this all really came through strongly for us during lockdown and how fortunate we are to have a space that is our, our home and the sense of security that that gives us and the sense of peace that that gives us the ability for our own sense of self to expand to fill that, that home space is a wonderful feeling also really enjoying at the moment looking about the world and learning about where other people are finding joy and finding meaning and acknowledging the great works of kindness that are taking place around the world as, as we innately as a species long to care and nurture for each other and to find community, to find a place where we are making things better in a community, to enhance our sense of belonging and looking around and Aute Portis Dunedin, there have been so many wonderful events of solidarity for others recently and these shows of support really do mean so much. I'm also really enjoying working with schools in different ways to support them as making the trip out to Orokunui is not possible for some of the schools at the moment. We can support the Lotus schools thanks to a donation which is fantastic but I can also go into schools and work with them and one school that I'm working with is putting on a big production, which is very exciting, all about lockdown and their reconnection with nature. So we're going to be making lots of beautiful costumes with recycled and natural materials and we're going to all be turning into native birds and native plants and really having a sense of nature returning to fill the space that, of course, we all really relished that connection experience over lockdown and it's wonderful to hear that all these young people really want to continue to celebrate it. So I really hope that for you whatever creative opportunities are presenting themselves in whichever ways you're connecting and collaborating with those around you, in whichever ways your sense of self is expanding to, to fill your home environment and new environments that you're moving out and about in the world, that all these experiences show you how wonderful you are, how talented and capable you are. And even if you're having times like I am at the moment where physically you're, 
or needing to rest and recharge. Still other aspects of you can come forward and you can have many other wonderful kinds of adventures. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Mike Morgan. Mike, the world is changing so fast and um, I've, I've noticed this real change in our kids where critical thinking and um, applied imagination seem to be things of the past. And I wonder, you know, like if we, we're talking about, you know, that how easily our kids are influenced by the sort of propaganda stuff that you're talking about, how do we bring them back to that place where they're able to, you know, critically think through the, the information that they're given um, to actually find the, the real truth? How do we yeah. do that? Well, I think, I think it has to be taught, really. Um, there, there are some pretty easy steps to take to identify the sources of content, and um, you know, and and younger kids they're sourcing a lot of the a lot of their information through peers and through social um, mechanisms, and there isn't any you know a, a lot of fact checking going on with any of this stuff. Um, so I, th- I, th- I think the the to make it a priority that that kids understand that. They shouldn't take anything for granted. They need to actually look at it um, rationally and and see who is actually um, the source of this information. And sometimes you only have to go back a couple of clicks to actually see where it's coming from. And uh, um, I use an example. There was a, a YouTube video that a, a Facebook friend shared, which was provocative and um, it was also untrue. Uh, and... It, look, it looked kind of interesting where this had originally been shared from. So uh, I went back sort of a couple of steps from this one and traced it back to a, uh, a, a it was a Texan pro-gun, you know, um, hard right um, source. And, um, you know, the rest of the stuff they were putting out was pretty awful as well. And so, you know, and, and there are all these other ways that people people do try and pull you in. Like I, I know that um, one of the, uh, I think it was the National Front in, in the UK, we're, we're posting these things and they were sort of like um, fun, you know, pet videos, you know, and, uh, you know, people would share them all. But yep. what they were inadvertently doing was sharing the National Front so that they get, you know, through the algorithms of Facebook so that they get more for their own material, gets higher visibility. Um, so I think, I think if you take kids through a, a, a pragmatic approach to identifying misinformation, it's not, it's not always easy to do, um, but normally if you can find out who's producing it and where the original source was, you can make a judgment on whether it's believable or not. And that's the tricky part, isn't it, is, um, is getting kids. Uh, the, the influences in their lives are so huge at the moment with social media and with so much negativity in the news. Like if you look at um, where in a previous guest we were talking to a couple of days ago, I talked about this wall. And if you imagine this big brick wall where the first brick is called the, um, the change of employment, change of job scene, is that job going to still be available by the time this kid leaves school? Um, and then you've got climate change and then you've got the um, impending economic crisis that they're starting to talk about in the news now. Like there's this big wall to the future made of all this negativity and our kids have to find some way over that to get to their future. And it's it's a really true time at the moment. I think it is. <clears throat> Again, I think there's, there's positives as well and, and quite a few of them. Um, access to information, um, you know, is fantastic in any way. Uh, the problem, you know, is obviously misinformation. But looking looking at the opportunities, you know, um, 
because kids can source pretty much anything that they want, you know, um, that, that's, that's a good start. But even looking through the um, tertiary education side of things, you know, showing my age, but, um, you know, but back, back when uh, university was an option for me, you know, it was BSc, BA, um, you know, accountancy, engineering, and there wasn't much else. And, and you know, now you can do, go and do a, a, you know, a course that has, you know, uh, or a degree where you get to study the jazz of Charles Mingus or, um, you know, some, some, ethno population and and you know in western africa or something like that and you know it's just vast the opportunities are there and i think that's amazing because um you know that uh, you know that, that to, to be i suppose educated and you, you especially especially with the amount of um uh, um study you've been doing in the last few years uh, to have that sort of broad sort of um source of of all types of information just i think just makes a, a much more evolved individual uh, and they all come into play you know we realize in, in our day-to-day lives how much all of the different things we've been exposed to influence how we react to things and and how we take on board things and our attitude to stuff as well so that's that's the positive is, is, is that access that we have now um, uh, which is great I agree and I, I see the change happening in the tertiary space uh, where, where we have got these different approaches to education and it seems to be okay to, to let that evolve. Now we just need the earlier education stuff to catch up with that way of thinking. I think yeah. we are, we're on our way, aren't we? I think so. I think, I think it's really good positive change. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's take Soap Kills off the Chef Tack album, Castora. Why this one? Um, I was really interested in music out of Beirut um, for a while. It's, it, it's a surprising place. I mean, it's a, it's a really fascinating city, and it's a country that's going through some extreme hardship at the moment as well. Um, but the, the music coming out of Beirut has always been that mix of influences because they were at a crossroads. They were, they were um, you know, colonised by the French. Um, so you've got um, the Arabic, the French, and all of these other influences that wash through the borders there. And so that influences their music. So some of the jazz that comes out of there is just absolutely stunning. And um, these guys, they they take sort of classical Middle Eastern music and they blend it with electronic pop, basically. And um, I just I just loved what they did. They're only around for a couple of years at the beginning of the uh, 2000s. Um, and then yeah, um, uh, Yasmin, the vocalist, has gone on to a, a, a bit of a solo career. Um, but they, yeah, they, they're, they're just a really interesting band from that time. <laughs>
Cura in the Eastern Bay of Plenty, Hopi Beach. Do you, that's a smallish community, do you think that the same sorts of patterns and relationships that you're seeing, you know, on the internet and the, the evolution of that as a global society, is it the same kind of stuff that you're seeing in your local community? I think it's probably intensified in the local community. Um, there are there are a few really um, motivated and amazing people who are um, working really hard to um, to create an inclusive environment, um, and people are excited about it. And they're using um, you know the likes of Facebook for really positive um, change as well, and to to hold um, leadership accountable as well, um, but in a in a, um, in, in a more respectful way 
uh, which is which is really good to see. So um, you know some some of the the, the businesses through Fakatani, um, you know that have that have appeared over the last couple of years. They're, they're younger people, and um, they they bring a, a slightly different um, sort of sensibility to. Um, to the environment and they're prepared to get out there and they're prepared to support each other and um, you know you can see any of these um, initiatives that have that have come along you know like the submission process over the um, what the council was going to do with the uh, CBD you know they generated close to 500 submissions over a period of uh, a short period of a few weeks because they they were given a really easy tool to actually um, uh, put a submission together multi-choice questions and a comment at the end of it that could be done in three minutes if you wanted to so just little innovations like that and um there's a there's a real pride as well with these upcoming you know new business owners and and where they are where they live where they've grown up um and they're, they're they're quite quite happy to to sing the praises of this place and of the community that's emerging so but you know this 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 has really accelerated over the last 12 months uh, um, possibly a little bit longer, but definitely um, when that first lockdown happened and um, the first virtual mall was created, uh, that just gave everyone a chance, the community a chance to actually um, to gather together really and to be able to know who else is out there and to support each other. It was it was really you know it's it's really good to see. Um, and I think that happens more in a smaller centre than it does in a, in a larger city like Auckland or any of the big international cities that are, have, have got so many small communities within that big community that um, it's harder to actually get everyone on the same page. So, um, yeah, the advantage of being small. <laughs> We've seen lots of changes in society over the, the last year and a half. That's sounding quite long when I say it is a year and a half. What sort of changes do you think are going to stick, and perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? I, th- I think that the, um, I mean, uh, digital is is just a, a means. You know, it, it is um, technology is is absolutely brilliant when it works, uh, but it, it, it still is. These are all human relationships, and this is all the information that we that we um, you know that we gather anyway. But it make, makes it faster and, and it makes it easier. But I think I think the big and understanding that we need to be a little bit more circumspect about what we're doing out there. Um, you know, are, are, is what we're doing harming people um, rather than helping it? You know, is you know, is constant growth a viable goal? You know, as far as the economy economy goes, uh, you know, should we be looking at you know increasing GDP every year and and so on at you know at any cost, or should we actually rethink these things and actually make it more about people and about quality of life? Uh, I, I think again from my you know sort of corner and the sort of areas that we work in, that feels like that's a positive thing that is going to continue to. To change, um, I think internationally it's going to be there's still going to be a lot of turmoil for the next few years, and uh, there will be a lot of a lot of people that will hold on to the old ways of doing things desperately. Um, they they don't want to see things um, shift toward a, a kinder planet, really. Um, but I, I think this is the momentum is there. It started, and I, I think as the um, the demographics and our populations change and younger people um, get more of a voice, uh, I think it's, it's only going to continue in that direction. 
Do you think that there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for those bigger sorts of questions that we face, things like climate change and uh, social inequity, the sorts of things that we can't solve by staying at home for a few weeks? Um, I I think it's a trigger, yes. Um, I I think it it, it showed how vulnerable we all are. Um, And it's probably brought into, into, you know, into sharper focus as well the ideas that if we don't do something and we don't do something really, you know, um, powerful, uh, you know, things are going to get bad very quickly. And, you know, we only have to look at, you know, the, the wildfires, the hurricanes, the floods and landslides and so on that have happened in the last six months, you know, um, to, to see how quickly um, this emergency is progressing. So, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's time, you know, and everyone does, everyone has to stand, stand up and say, hey, look, what can we do about this? You know, and they say, and there will be pushback, you know, if, if, if you know, a lot of it becomes politics as well, whereas it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a political issue at all. It should be a survival issue. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? <laughs> well, that's a tough one. <laughs> Um, I beat cancer, um, so that's probably um, on a personal level my biggest success. Uh, two years ago, I was being treated for um, throat cancer, and um, and I'm fully clear of it. So uh, yeah, that's that that tends to shift things a little bit. We can have a big tick beside that one. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Um, I, don't, I don't think I've got a superpower. Um, I, I, um, but her microphone's I, I, not I, turned on, but she's nodding a lot to say yeah. you do. You do have a superpower. If you can't name it, I will name it for you. I know. One of the most optimistic people I have ever met. Your optimism is absolutely contagious and so inspiring. That's what I think is your superpower. Thank you. Yes, I I am an optimist and sometimes an unreasonable optimist. (laughs) (laughs) Do you consider yourself an activist? No, no, I don't. Um, I've I've got pretty strong opinions. Um, and uh, you know, I, um, I do express them, um, but I don't. I certainly don't engage in um, uh, in any sort of online debates or anything else like that. I leave that for other people. Um, but I, but you know, in a, in a social situation, I'm quite quite willing to share what I think of things. <laughs> um, but and uh, yeah, but, but much the s- much the same as you can be an activist with how you spend your consumer dollar you are actively choosing the companies you want to work with and that that share your values that's a pretty good way of shaping the world yep there's that and you know the the products that we buy um you know i I suppose that the where where we spend our um our energy if we're you know um, working on you know projects that are voluntary projects um, all of those things, I think, uh, 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 I don't see them as activism. I think they're just about being, being a, a you know, um, a good person. Really, it's trying to do what you can out there to make some sort of positive change, and you know, every little bit counts. I think. So, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I, I, I mean, I've got a hunger for life, really, for everything, and um, 
obviously from a couple of years ago that's been you know uh, exaggerated to a degree um but i i love discovering music i love food i love um uh, my friends i love you know um the conversations that we have um you know my family um my wife midge um you know our lifestyle here the beach you know i can just go on and on and on our work that we do you know feeling good at the end of the month when i send a report through and i show someone that we've made a difference for them you know stuff like that every, every little one of those things you know um my daughter you know um this this yeah there's a lot to get me out of bed <laughs> in the morning <laughs> so what what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so uh well, I guess we're, we're, we're still growing what we're doing. Um, we're still learning. Uh, we, we started um, working in the space 15, 16 years ago, and, um, and we've worked really hard to understand how it all works. Um, so I look forward to continuing to get better at that. Um, and uh, uh, let's, see, let's see what happens apart from that. You know, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different stuff that can come along, and um, I look forward to um, to the good parts of those challenges and uh, hopefully see less of the, um, the the bad challenges. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, advice for the listeners? I, I, I think it's not really advice either. It's, it, I, I think we need to sort of take a moment and, again, think about how what we do um, impacts other people, what we do impacts other people. Um, you know, there was, there was the the mantra that that came from you know our prime minister of be kind, and um, I think you know that that's it's a little bit of a simplification, it's a marketing message, but it, it, it is something that I think is really important. You know, to see others as um, as you know every person is a human who has you know their own lives and life and challenges and. Um, you know, even people that are behaving badly, they could be behaving badly because they, they've got something awful going on in their lives, or they've had a period of time where they've, you know, um, had their own challenges or whatever. So I think I think is is, is being open um, and also learn. You know, um, spend that extra time that you have. You know, um, making yourself giving yourself greater understanding. You know, by um, finding something you're interested in and chasing it down and get really good at it. Um, you know, put the effort in and and um, the rewards are, the rewards are great when you can sort of look back after a couple of years of, of you know, learning something new that you can do well. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. So I encourage everyone just to get out there and, and do something new, learn something. Um, I think that's, that's important for all of our growth. It's, it's pretty easy to sort of um, go to work and go home and turn on the television, you know, but uh, there's, there's, there's more to life than that, I think. Thank you for that. Moera. Mike, thanks for everything you do in our community and for being a champion for the Eastern Bay, for Eastern Bay business, for Eastern Bay people. Um, just for after everything we've been through in this community over the last while, um, it's people like you who are out there with a positive message that have built that resilience that got us through some pretty tough times over the last couple of years. Um, while you've been fighting your own battle, you've been supporting the entire community through a battle too, so just with your kindness. So I just want to say thanks. Thanks for everything that you do and um, for the good person that you are, and we really appreciate you around here. Kia ora. Thank you. Kia ora. And, uh, yeah, thank you to you both. It's been, been nice talking to you.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Nguyen Afrobeat, Rojo Carmen. I'm Samuel Manis, always Bay Eden, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Ahopi Beach. We were joined by Mike Morgan. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.